Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling the stories of the LAFC community, match by match, fan by fan, story by story. We are happy to pick back up where we left off with episode 27 with the man, the myth, the legend, and of course, the the George Washington of LAFC, (laughs) Mr. Joseph Sacker. So thank you for staying around with us and hanging around for a part two of this episode. We are uh, deeply, deeply in your gratitude, sir. You're part of the fam, dude. Yeah, and I mean, we left off the previous episode at one point where the ashes of a certain club were happening, but I think you had an additional anecdote that. Oh, yeah. Um, I was talking about Nelson Rodriguez, and if you know Nelson Rodriguez, he's currently in charge of the Chicago Fire. At the death of Chivas, he was in charge of Chivas on day to day operations brought in by MLS because MLS at that point had taken over. Um, and we basically, I was talking to you guys about the Last Supper. Right. It was the last ever yeah. meeting of fans at the end of the last game they ever played, and they had a big barbecue. And they didn't tell us it was the end, but everybody kind of felt that there's no way they're coming back after this. And they brought everybody up, which is typical, right? So players got up, we got up, Ultras got up and had their say. And behind the stage, I looked at, I, I looked at Nelson and I told him, I said, this is it, right? I said, this is the Last Supper. And he, he didn't want to say yes, but he looks at me and goes, tomorrow is going to be a much better day. He goes, and there will be a lot of better days ahead for you. And I, they didn't tell us there was going to be an announcement the next day, but the next day was the announcement of the club's death. And then two days later, the announcement of LAFC with completely new owners, Completely knew everything, and for I know on the Black Army side of things, you know we actually had tifos for Magic Johnson, um, for sale signs, and so for us it was we just couldn't wait for it to happen, and there's no promise we would be a part of the new thing, and in fact, you know early on I think there was apprehension, um, but we were on, you know, and that's what we always wanted, so we wanted to make sure when the team did come around, all of two days, uh, <laughs> that we would go full tilt and uh, fight to get the identity that we've always wanted. So we have the death of Chivas USA, and then a couple days later, the rock rolleth from the tomb, the rebirth and ascension happens of LAFC in this announcement. So take us through what that felt like, and then how did the work start to form the 3252? How did you get in contact with the, the ownership? Oh, it was fun, and that was an interesting kind of setup. So I can tell you that it was not a rebirth. At all. Um, new ownership, new mindset, new everything. Colors look very similar. I think there was some inspiration involved, uh, not by Chivas, but by probably us. Um, <laughs> community mindset's there. there but um, it wasn't our club, right? It was the city's club. And when they came around and announced who they were going to be, it was red, black, and white, so it was very comfortable, right? And we tried to get involved, and truth be told, we do know for a fact that MLS didn't want us around because they had to deal with us already. And I think they were apprehensive to have anybody related to that team come into a new team because they fall for the same BS that we hear from Carson these days and think it actually means something. Um, that's not the case if you talk to Rich. 
he'll t- I mean he'll tell you right there that they they got the advice and knew it was bad advice from the start. Um, what I can say is contact was limited at best. We were getting more information from the league itself um, simply because they weren't ready for supporters yet and didn't want to come up to us without some type of plan. So that's smart. Some of us snuck yeah, I can in, understand. Some that. of us <laughs> snuck into events. Um, you've probably seen the videos of that. It's amazing what you can do with a press pass. Um, just saying. Um, but, you know, we did what we had to do. And if you were going to get in our way before, we already know how to beat that stuff down. So we just did what we did. And on our own end, made ourselves better to get ready for when that moment would arise because we're not going away. So when did the club first reach out and say, okay, we're ready to involve supporters? Was that a conversation you forced them to have with you? Or was that a conversation that they were willing to acquiesce I mean, we were relentless in trying to make contact and to try to make something happen because we knew the team didn't have an identity yet. They were very obvious about that. Um, and again, they, they weren't staffed up enough to do it. There was no Rich Orozco like with a team yet. He had to bring people in and build his team. He had to get on board himself and dealing with his charity work. Um, and that's really what got him in. Um, so for us, we just made ourselves better made sure that we were in and basically we're doing LAFC TFOs before anything. So, you know, there's pictures we have out there of us in front of the sports arena because me calculating even knew back in the day that Chivas wanted to be there, but we're never ever going to follow through. Um, and we knew MLS wanted to be there and would help anybody in the city wanted a team there. So for us, it was like connect all the dots. Let's help the process. So are you surprised that, the Galaxy never went after that spot? Not in the slightest. They want parking revenue. Simple as that. Um, they're not risk takers. The early guys were risk takers in 96. Interesting. I they, didn't they think are, of that. Everything's calculated risk with them. Minor gains are better than major risks. And the Frank McCourt it. school of wealth. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it is that school of thought. AEG, like, that's very Phil corporate. Yeah, yeah. And the boys. Like, that's just how they do business. And they... They don't take a shot unless it's a sure shot. And they're not going to put any financial risk into something that's already a tax shelter. Yeah. Right? Wow. Uh, you, that makes so, perfect sense. So it had to be somebody new. It had to be somebody crazy. I do know that the ownership was did have an opportunity to buy Chivas in the early stages and decided that why, why, you know, like let it go, let it go. And so they did. They let it die. And most of the, well, the entire academy got absorbed by the Galaxy. Yep. Most of their coaching staff went to the Galaxy. And I believe their their big youth product that's actually on the first team was the Chivas USA yes. Academy product. Yes. So who's more Chivas than who, right? Yeah, 2.0 what? 2.0 what? Yeah, yeah 2.0 Carson. Um, we all know that. But on their end, they weren't ready for us, so we just decided to act as if. It was always with Black Army, act as if. So we acted as if. We were in. And when they were ready, we had an amazing meeting of supporters and influencers and early adopters at Eat Drink Americano. That's the first time I ever met Rich and Stadium Benny and all these guys. And I walked in with a PowerPoint. Everybody's, everybody coming in to drink to have a good time. This jackass is bringing in a PowerPoint about safe standing and rail seats. Love it. And from day one, and I, they were drunk, and I made them, I put the, I put the computer on the bar after the fact and had Benny watch my presentation on the benefits of rail seating and safe standing. 
So this was this at the um, which event was this? It was the E Drink Americano. It was their first event where they reached out publicly to supporters and had an event with pictures and all. And so Ultras were there. Some other groups that aren't around anymore were there. Um, a certain podcast that never does podcasts was there. Um, you know what's yeah. funny? Give is back I that was, name, dude. It's like real estate. Get I was actually here, right? supposed to be there that night. My roommate, who was originally, uh, you know, my best friend before he moved to San Diego, got married, had a kid, that whole thing. Uh, you know, we originally, my two North End seats were him and I, and we were supposed to go to that event. Uh, but he got sick, Aww. and I was the manager uh, at, at my business, and uh, my night manager called out sick, and I had to work a double that day, and I had to cancel, and I missed out on that event. And I was like, oh, it's the first one. It's no big deal. I'll catch the next one. It won't be that big a deal. It turned out to be a big <sighs> deal. And it, we were, we thought it was going to be fluff, right? C'est la vie, my friend. Instead, Happens. we were going through branding identity colors already what do you guys want the whole meeting was what do you want what do you want from your club that's day one and i approached rich in the worst kind of way that night i was kind of a jerk sorry rich my apologies even today i kind of went hard on him yeah that's what he gets for flaking on this show so hey that's what you get rich karma i didn't know the real rich I just knew he was a guy that was delaying our chance to help the club, right? That's what I thought he was. That's not the case. Rich is an amazing individual, and he always follows through on what he says. When he says, we're going to Germany, and you laugh about it, and then, oh, my gosh, I have a ticket to Germany. What? Yeah, it happens. And when he says it, it happens. When he it, says, I'm coming on your podcast. It could be mm. in five years, but it could happen. <laughs> it will happen. I guess he didn't give you a definitive date. Yeah. That's what he'll yeah, say. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah. Give it time. Give it time. It's no, busy days. On. It's busy days. Get yeah. the off season. Yeah, he'll slow. come on. We'll try yeah. not to schedule him on his wife's birthday yeah. this time. Yeah. Ooh, dude. Yeah, that's that's rough. Okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. Rich. He had a legitimate excuse. Rich is the greatest yeah. influencer I've seen within a club and what he does. Um, Got to give the man a chance, right? And uh, yeah, he has he this energy, him. this magnetism, this I charisma. Do not, yeah. I've never understood how a man that eats as well as he does can be in the shape that he is with the energy he has. That's I actually never thought of that, but that's true, right? Yeah, the guy's the guy's cool, man. Like, he, he's football, he gets it. So, we go to this meeting, Pat was in that meeting too. Like, we finally met like the early staff, right? And it was everything. And I, I went off on split kits, black and gray. Like, mine was heavy on, on SC Freiburg's uniform at the time. It was black and gray stripes. <laughs> like, I thought that was the coolest freaking thing ever. Even the split kit black. For me, gray was a big deal. And black. Not just because of black army, because we didn't really use gray. I like black and gray because of the streets. Yeah. What comes out of it, We have, what are our colors, right? That's our you know, scarf color. That's our away jersey, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The black and gray, and it's there. Like they listen. They I always. I mean, this do. beautiful shoulder-to-shoulder scarf sitting right next black to me is gray. black and gray. Yeah. I would just so like to point that. I'm out. not taking credit for it, but I mean, a lot of us had our colors and gold, gold, dude, gold. That night, I think gold was like solidified. Red was involved too, and most of us that had dealt with the club that wore red was really like not, not happy about that. But it is what it is, and as you noticed, the reds kind of faded away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, Atlanta United sort of swooped in on that as well, too. Yeah. There's plenty and of red so, teams in Chicago. There's yeah. Red Bull. Nobody sells black and gold like LAFC. Nobody. Nobody. No. So and it came out perfect. I mean, in, in retrospect, black and red was, you know, when they sent out those votes mm-hmm. and you got to vote on the colors, you know. I mean, my vote was black and red originally. Now, that was also 
my high school colors and all that stuff growing but up. But a lot of so. the stuff they were putting out early on was black, like black, white, and red. So yeah. you already felt like they were kind of pushing you that way. That yeah. was like it was just going to happen. That yeah, way. yeah, yeah. They're yeah. going to hey, great. <laughs> thanks for the votes, everybody. Guess what won? Yeah. No, they actually followed through. And I a lot of people wanted the gold. I know a lot of the ownership wanted the gold. They wanted red too, though. But I remember when the announcement came out. Actually, my first response to it was like, "Ooh, that looks a little tacky." This and like, and then the next day, like, it took me it took me a little while to come around on it. I'm I'm happy that I did. I grew. I learned. I, I mean, I you know, I mean, it, it it took me to a better place now. But it, it took me it took me a, a solid like three to five days to get behind the black and gold. I fell in love with the font of all. Oh, nerdy well, things. when the, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the when the, yeah, I was yeah. like, this, this font is sick. Once the crest came out, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, which we were, got, we got to be a part of that too. I mean, that, crazy cool. that, that yeah. made it fair. Once I saw the crest, I was like, in. Yeah, that was Matt Wolf, in case you don't know who he is. He also designed NYCFC's yep. logo. I've been on he the site a lot. designed the jersey for Nigeria in the last World Cup, mm-hmm. which was probably the hottest seller they've ever had for a national. Like, that was insane. You couldn't get those. Right. They were sold out immediately every, every time. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, they were, they were gone. Like, it was a hard one. But that was his styling. He has he has a, a thing about him, you know. He knows, he knows the look of the times. And so he got into it. I can tell you early uh, early logos were bizarre. There were two wings. There was... Well, I think he's able to somehow encapsulate that city or country because the three projects you named don't look like each other. Mm-mm. But you, if you look at the NYCFC logo, you see, like, New York in it. It's, it's a subway token. Right, it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it has that integration of the, the 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 letters in a way that's almost like baseball because there's a historic baseball mm-hmm. type of thing but it's different and it has you know the font that makes sense to that yeah. that city the same with lafc and the same with nigeria like like i said i've gone i like logos which is weird and Me i've gone to this site and i've looked at all his stuff i'm like none of this looks like it's each other but it all looks like it came from him. Yeah, he's After not a one-trick pony, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he doesn't have a look. He actually does his homework. He and does. He makes things out of nothing. And so LASD came about from the ideas we all threw at him. So um, how many of those ideas that you threw at them originally would people recognize today? Everything. Everything. Uh, you know, everybody wanted wings. Everybody wanted an angel style. Because it's the city of angels. Right. You have to follow through. And LA's heyday, if you look at Hollywood, if you look if you look at the architecture of our best buildings, they're all Art Deco mm-hmm. era buildings. Yeah, Disneyland, Dodger Stadium. I mean so many of the places downtown for sure. Yeah, you look at City Hall. And for me, to me, the inspiration has always been City Hall. For me. I personally think that is one of the coolest buildings. Union Station. So unique. And Union Station, and I'll say for Union Station, I have a bit of a big connection with that one because that's the first place that my family stepped off in Los Angeles from a train that was bound from New Orleans on a Liberty ship coming from Europe. So for me, that's where it started for the L.A. story because they moved to L.A. And so Union Station has that look, has its style, has a history for me. I can connect to it. Um, and I know I'm not alone. You know, everybody has their story of their families here. And LAFC, by being iconic and using a historic look, I think everybody has a way of connecting to it. People gravitate towards that logo. People have nothing to do with soccer or MLS Mm -hmm. or or sports. I mean, I come across so many, you know, customers just, you know, and I, you know, I see them or or just people out on the streets and I'm like, yeah, LAFC. And they're like, what? 
Yeah. Like the hat you're wearing is an LAFC hat. Oh, I didn't know. I just I love the logo. Like it spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it it transcends our sport, our team, our culture. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, you can't get any better. Really, they couldn't have done it. I I couldn't think of another one that would look better than what they got. So we got lucky. So how did those early conversations with you know branding, marketing, culture? How did that become supporters groups? unifying and a north end and a 3252 and and take us through that process so the i think the club quickly realized that if you just throw a bunch of people together you're going to get more conflict than anything else and so and they already knew there were some existing conflicts with other club with other groups within our our thing and just that things carry over right so what they did is they gave everybody a point and a time to meet with the club and they had a ton of meetings with all of us Talk about busy people, right? And so they let everybody just share what they wanted and speak. And, and without somebody interfering, well, I want this. Instead of it being a debate, it's like, just give me what you got. And when it's all said and done and you guys just grow, do your own thing. Make it a competition if you have to, but do your own thing and be you. That's what really did it is we got to be creative. And as we all started doing our own thing, it got to a point where, yeah, now we have these groups all around, but... Nobody's really unified, and if anything, they're competing with each other rather than competing for the good of the good of the order, right? And so, it was called out that it's time to finally do something and have a meeting. And we finally did have a meeting, and the name of the restaurant fails me. It was a very turbulent time for Black Army at that time, and a change of leadership within that. That so. For me, it was very different when I went into that meeting because it was, well, what group am I in when I walk out the door? Like, that's how crazy it was for Black Army at the time. But we knew that it, the importance of being together and trying to hear each other out and and listening. And in many cases, Black Army, because of where they were at at the time, was probably the last one at the table. But when it was finally a table set, we showed up. And didn't try to take it over or influenced it too heavy. Everybody got their moment, I think, there was a little bit, there was a lot of growing pains, you know, um, big groups versus little groups, big groups versus big groups. There was always a concern that one was going to take the other one out and that creates conflict. And there's always been that until we finally just got it in our heads that working together is the best thing. And there was an external issue that had come up from another organization that tried to profit off of, off of it before even we played our first game. And that galvanized us in many ways because we saw that if we don't get it right and if we don't work together divided we fall and and so big picture was there's room for all of us guys let's do this and so at that point we organized and started organizing and trying to create a group name and that was a six-month process and there were some crazy hard debates i remember one one debate that went eight hours in one restaurant and shouting and yelling and to get a name just that simple. So it was hard. The early days were hard before we could really create a 3252. The early days were hard. They were brutal. And we was all by committee. It was all a large organ, like union of supporters, but there was no set leadership. It was just trying to make it work, like kind of like the United Nations, you know, which fights, right? Yeah. And so our passion was many times directed towards each other for the greater good of the club. And that was always what it was going to be, is what's the greater good of the club. And when we finally got to that point, we had a eureka moment where we were at a meeting at the Experience Center, 
talking about the capacity of this of the of the North End and what it was going to look like design wise. And they said, well, you know, we've decided that basically the capacity is 3,252. And on the, on the PowerPoint, it said 3,252. And we looked at it, and we're like... And it, we were very tired because we were fighting over a name, and it was going nowhere. And then the biggest bone of contention for all of us was a name. Of all things, a, a lousy name, right? Um, and we saw 3252, and it was pretty much at that point, everybody kind of had that look at each other. And Michael Predone um, from uh, Chrome was in that meeting, and he said the 3252. And at that point, it just, man, he claimed the 3252. I was like, well, that's a cool idea. And then everybody went, we got it. Let's just go there. It's all of us. That was the fight is what's going to, what name is going to represent all of us? And what better is is it than all of us included? If if not all of us are bought in, you're not really the thirty two fifty two. I mean, arose by any other name, I guess. But to to this extent, I mean, that name, the fact that it is so numerically simple, mm-hmm. the fact that it is so unifying, but yet it's you know, passive. it it is restricted to to just those quote unquote seats, yeah. you know, those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean it. It literally gives a space for each person within it to identify themselves as one. Um, you know, the numeric value is not accumulated unless we are all there. Right. There's so many symbols behind it. Obviously, the addition of the numbers and what that means. That was, you that know, was Commander all the way for that one. Really? He, he, yeah. Well, well the, he, he the figured three, it out? Or? No, the 3 plus 2 plus... Yeah, he, he, he was the first one to say, well, 3 plus 2 plus 5 plus 2, that adds up to 12. We're the 12th man. And we're like... Like, you got it. Good job, Commander. You got it. Yeah, it was, that was him saying, oh, it adds up to 12. For us, it was the number, it was the capacity, and it was representing every one of us. Now, if you want to know who broke down the logo, um, how it became what it looks like right now, the numbers were designed by Jerry. That, fun fact. That, that's that awesome. Fun fact was that's Jerry's numbers. That logo, though, Oscar did most of the design for the logo. And it's actually two logos put into one. So Jerry's and, and Oscar's as a hybrid, and that would be my kind of jump in the whole thing. <laughs> Is well, you know, It's like that commercial, why can't we have both? And it, I kind of had that moment. So, and then we just we hashed it out. In, in the, it got hashed out in the Experience Center where Oscar was actually, he was putting it together on his computer in front of us, like getting the angle. Oh, right. Layering them. Yeah, yeah, layering it. And he layered it just like, that and we just stopped and went dude like just you got it and that was it was it was very much a collective it was collective guys like that that's the cool thing there were other there were ideas like i said people's ideas and we know the contributors and certain things of it but ultimately it's apart from everybody right it's a collective experience just to create a logo not some guy we just paid to make a cool logo it was us it was within us it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. So the 3250 forms, it gets named. The mm-hmm. collaboration begins. How do you become our first president? Yeah, I wow. guess. What, when? How did it get to being organized, like putting bylaws together, putting uh, okay. a structure around it? Because it sounded like there was you know, this, this uh, not turmoil, but there was... Um, Healthy conflict. Yeah, healthy conflict. There are a difference of ideas on what it ended to be. And then you know, it sounded like 
some people that are no longer around or for whatever reason helped galvanize? The <laughs> only way you're going to be a group that survives and not just a fad is it has to survive every one of us. And what better way to do that than creating a nonprofit? You can't create a nonprofit unless you organize. Right? Right. You know, you know, also by creating a nonprofit and creating it as, as a professional organization, one person can't steal it. So the thought was if we made something that was bigger than all of us, then it is all of us because we all have to be bought in and we can move on. You can afford to move on if the organization is healthy. So me from well, on my end from day one, my whole worry was making bylaws. That was my baby. I needed bylaws. I never was to be president. It was to get organized and having experiences back with other teams and having fights that occurred and things that didn't work out. The bone of contention was always a lack of organization and a lack of a contingency plan so no one individual could, could sully the thing. Some structure. Structure was required. And so for me, structure was key. In my idea, it was, that was make it, the, make it the back end first. We know we have the passion. We know we're going to own it in the stands. But we can't undermine that by something in the background that's going to make it dirty, make it ugly, make it, make it wrong. Okay. So for me, it was structure. And thankfully, everyone agreed, right, from early stages, like, dude, this is right. And for me, I made sure that the bylaws were, were done and dusted by the time I even proposed them. Are those public, the bylaws? Is that something Yes, that... you can look at them, for sure, for sure. And they were inspired by other groups, of course. Um, I, I looked a lot at Chicago uh, Section 8, um, looked a lot at Viking Army and what happens in, in Red Bulls, a lot of Seattle Sounders and, and ECS, uh, and definitely Portland Timbers and Timbers Army and the 107ist. So we, we saw what worked good for different groups, I looked at it and saw what their bylaws were, and the Black Army had their bylaws ready too. And I wanted them to be different from Black Armies because that's the last thing we want to do is be completely the same because that's just confusing and they need to be independent. So I looked at what worked. I saw how Chicago would always have finance problems because they were too loosely based as a, as a supporters union, but they just didn't have the financial setup. So that I took from them was more of the behavioral, structural. So I basically looked around, saw what worked, saw what worked overseas as well, and went, all right, so nonprofit, that's step one. It's going to save us a lot of money. It's going to require due diligence from anyone that wants to be an officer. So you can't have a fly-by-night president. You can't have a treasurer that takes a vacation. They actually have to be accountable for what they do. Um, and that's how it worked, is, is basically we needed to have officers, I created the initial officer positions. I named them. I put the job roles already and then presented it to council. And then the council basically picked them apart to see what, what they liked and what they didn't and and revised it as, as it would fit us. And so the final bylaws are, it has roots coming from me, but ultimately the function and the finalized wording is completely signed off and created by council. So what are some of the core ideological, fundamental, foundational pieces of that document? Um, really, it, it's creating accountability for the officers is one. That they all have specific jobs so people can't step over people's feet. Two, at the end of the day, we're a supporters group. And we're here to build football in 
L.A. And, and the opening statement basically says it, is that we are here to not only support the Los Angeles Football Club, but to also build up our city and build up the people of the city. So charity has to be involved. But also, we have to spread the culture of football and active support. That's all within the bylaws. So that is our main purpose, is we're supporting our club, we're supporting our city, and we're supporting what makes the game beautiful, which for us was active support. So initially, we established bylaws. How does that lead to a presidency? And, and what are the functions of you, you are our only you know, former president. So, so you're the only person that can offer us that retrospective of what it is like to have served that role. So at the end of the day, the 3252 president is simply a, a, an officer that presides over council. Doesn't create the rules, doesn't change the rules. Everything council controls. He's basically a spokesperson for what the 3252 wants. But the decisions made by 3252 are made by the council. Are you part of any, like, funky rule, like where you break a tie? No. If council is... Nope. Because they're already at an odd number? They're already at an odd number. If it's an even number, we'll work it out. And if we have to draw straws, we'll draw straws. But at no point will one individual have power over anybody else. So you are almost... We are, we are the liaison. We, yeah. are, we are the spokesperson. That's our job. You're the speaker. Of. That's what the president does. So anybody that goes, ah, that guy, I hate him because he, he prevented us from doing it. Well, honestly, if a decision was made, it was made by counsel, not me. Right. You're I just am, communicating it. I just it. happened to be the messenger. Yeah. So, And I did it on purpose because, again, I didn't ever want to have a dictator running our organization, especially myself. I don't want to be a dictator. I don't like dictators. I hate dictators. Uh, I think the one thing that hurts supporter groups and creates violent supporter groups is groups that have these crazy leaders that think they own everything and run everything. Uh, we can see that down the street, how a couple of strong men can take things over and make it really bad for everyone. Um, you don't want to go that way. You don't want a capo de capos who's like a mafia boss running your stuff. You need to have a council that runs the show. You have to have terms. You have to have elections. You have to move on. And it'd be better than that one person. It has to be bigger than the one that's in charge, or perceived to be in charge. So the goal is majority consensus, mm -hmm. and then the president communicates that and, right. and oversees maybe implementation? Prize over the nonprofit. If you could say the one thing from your service and your term that you are the most proud of as, you know, if you could say, you know, when it comes to the 3252, my stamp on it that that you know you would want on your tombstone what would be the one thing that you're most proud of things that i always say things that make me chuckle when they happen right like oh man this happened because you know one the shalala because that was that was my baby too and i you know thanks to rich and, and uh general simon yeah you know, they were the fuel in the fire, right? But it was settled in Dresden, or not Dresden, in, in um, Dusseldorf, as we were waiting for a plane to fly back to London, coming back from Dortmund. And it was him and me at 3 in the morning waiting for waiting to go home, hammering it out. And to see that the, not just the fans, but to see that it's in the locker room every week. And every time we win, I get to see that and know that it was it was us and Simon working out in that parking lot before anything was going it's our baby, right? That's one of those cool things I get to chuckle at. 
every time my boy yells Ollie, Ollie, every time he sees a bird. Yeah, that gets me chuckling too because it means my kids are bought into or my daughter's shrieking for Latif every time she sees him from any distance. Um, and getting mad at Dio because Dio walked her into the last game at the last home game. She was like one of the escorts because she didn't get Latif. It was like my kids bought in, you know. And I see other kids bought in, face paint, everything. So that gets me that the kids, that it's gone multi-generation. Mm-hmm. The fact that I see Jimmy in the Cabo stand of being a president after my presidency and it happened, that an election actually occurred and it didn't require a revolution or a fight and it was bloodless, shows that the 3252 has its medal, that it, it survived a leadership change and thrived through a leadership change. He brings a dynamic I don't bring. I brought structure. He brings passion. There's a little difference, a big difference in terms of game day, right? But it survives that change because the structure's there. And so for a guy like Mauricio to become vice president, who's the rules guy, big time, big time. Because he he now can use my bylaws because really the, the guy, the second in charge, and I wrote the bylaws to make sure that the vice president was kind of your day-to-day operations guy because I honestly thought that was going to be my job in the beginning. I thought that was going to be a better fit for me because I like structure, right? And it just didn't work that way because necessity presented itself and I had to go for presidency. But basically just to see the, the, new, the new core of officers and to see the new groups that have now moved in to vote and to see it working within the groups that are in council, to me that's my, my hell yeah moment because I know that what we worked on for hours and hours and fought over and battled for about a year of or eight for me it was 18 months of the presidency and probably half of that was at war to make it work to see it now working where i can step away and it just goes that's my moment like i get to move on and do support and raise my kids and would you ever go back would you ever run for office again for president no no i i don't believe in repeat terms I think you get your moment, you move on. There's enough soldiers in our organization that we should never have a repeat of president. It is different now, though, I will say. There was no term when I was president. I just served for 18... I served for 18 months until I forced an election in the bylaws. I actually wrote the, ele- the actual date in the bylaws when it was ratified. It had to be that day. So that I had an end, and I knew I had an end. From the day I took the presidency, I knew I had an end. I had a mandate that I had to get things done by that day. So the, are there terms now? Yeah, two years. Now, two years? yes. So the night before the election, well, night before that we, the night we finalized our candidates, um, they the group voted in a two year term, so it's now two years, so twenty four months for Jimmy, he can run again. There's nothing saying he can't. He can. That's up to him if he wants to do so, uh, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, the funny thing to me is well, not funny, but interesting to me. Like it sounded like you've put in so much work into this right forming the 3252 being part of and it's not it's not me you know it's it's us it's right the the weight was council right those guys working inside perfect no no and and it was very involved the whole 3252 so many people so much creating something from nothing based on their experiences and you know capturing what was being done around the world around the country to make it for us but not only were you doing that Going back to a good friend of ours that 
helped create the 3252 logo, you were also podcasting. You were about to reach 100. Somehow you did yeah. all this at, in the meantime. I wasn't there for all 100 of them. I mean, I wasn't. I, I joined on. But you were president at that time. I was president. Yeah. And it was never, you know, with the podcast, I had done some guest podcasting with Jerry. And you guys, you got to know, like, we're brothers. We've known each other forever because um, it was from the other team, too. And so we've seen ourselves grow up. We've seen ourselves get married. We've seen ourselves go through all the highs and the lows. Um, and so for, for him and his show, he was doing it on his own and putting guest stars on because Jerry's a great interviewer. Um, to me, that's his strength. He's, he even interviews me every week, let's be honest, on the show, right? He he, he runs it, the questions come out, and I, I fire off. So yeah. He brings the tactics he brings, out of you. He brings yeah. the organization. He gets the questioning. Yes, we work together to create the... The schedule of the day, but it's Jerry's production, right? He he kills it on production. The quality is there, right? I'm just there to to talk football. I mean, that's my world. So for me, I'll be honest. When when I got the chance to do the podcast, it was not the thought of I'm going to go do a podcast with Jerry. It was, oh, cool, man. I love going on. It's cool. I get to go on. Why do I love to get to go on? Well, for seven days a week, I got to talk about structure of a supporter group and active support and all this <laughs> stuff in the background. And the one thing I never get to talk about with everybody in 3252 is football. The actual <laughs> game on the field. And football is my first. Yep. Not supporter culture. It's football. What brought us here in the first place. So for me, the podcast gives me this outlet where I actually get to talk about the thing that I love the most. And football. Uh, your football analysis is brilliant, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> you are very good at it. It is. It is... Always, you know, a very intelligent opinion. It's insightful. Uh, it's insightful, well-respected. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it's 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 a well-put-together show, and, you know, we're obviously all fans first. Um, so I would say, you know, throughout the many, many episodes you've been on, um, you know, what was your favorite moment throughout the Heart of LAFC experience? First episode where I was officially on was we did it in Airbnb in Philadelphia in the middle of winter. It was for the draft. And Jerry had me stay with him because they weren't cheap getting houses. We got a row house in the middle of Philly, which was pretty freaking cool. Um, and he goes, I need a roommate, man. Like, it's going to be too expensive for me. You know, he's got a little one. I got little ones. You want to go together? Yeah, let's go together. And he goes, we're going to record a pod, too. I'm like, that's fine. We got nothing else to do, right? Like, we're, we're after, after draft, we're going to crash because it's busy days. Hey, we would have talked about this anyway. Just record it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we talk about football anyway. Yeah. Why don't just put it on there and let it rip. That was episode four, I believe. That was your first episode. That was my first guest appearance. Okay. Yeah. And then a bunch happened after that. And then draft day, it officially he declared me as being on the show. Like he asked me, "You in?" Yeah. For now, I'm in. And it's always the for now, right? Because sure. life is life, and I'm the president. Um, and I told him, I said, this isn't going to be a 3252 podcast. This is not going to be a Black Army podcast. This is going to be an LAFC podcast. And Heart of LAFC is supposed to be that. It's everyone's podcast. It's not, you know, you don't see the hammers flying all over the place, yeah. right? It's not going to happen. You know, if I ever am on camera, it's usually 3252 shirts or LAFC shirts because it's everyone's show. I don't want it to be sectarian, right? We have the same sentiment on the show. It's, so it, episode 25, I believe, is when you, you, you in, joined on. Yeah, so I guess it'll be episode 75 next week for me. So, Well, I mean, you were episode four as a guest, right? Yeah, so. 76, yeah. Um, next Still week. pretty impressive. 75, I guess, was this week. Woohoo! So I have a milestone one as well. There you go. Uh, I guess that's silver, right? 
whatever. Uh, all good, all good. But yeah, we did it there. Blackman, I remember Blackman. He did the supporter scarf thanks to Sal throwing it to him. And uh, I guess he survived Blackman. But uh, yeah, that was it. And we never looked back. Like we've just had such a good time doing it. We do it. We went on hiatus after we got knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. Part of that was depression. Part of that was. I just didn't want to say things I was going to regret. You don't have to be honest. That's the only time I ever called in and left a voicemail too. And it was like, where right, are you guys? It yeah. was right during the time. Well, no, it was literally I think the night we lost, the night we got kicked out. I got home and I was sitting in my backyard, and I was distraught. I wasn't right? sufferable. Yeah, I was not in a good place that day, and like. I mean, I just called the show and I just aired it out. And I was like, oh, man, I really hope they don't air this because I was super emotional about it. Yeah. And then there was no episode for a while after that. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm in the clear. Well, I can tell you, my whole time at Chivas USA, I never cried. Even when it died, I didn't cry. That game against RSL, I was actually in the stand and there were tears and I couldn't, I didn't know. I, it weirded me out because I was actually dropping tears, man. Like, because for us, and then they took us on the field, which made it even more surreal. It was over. And for me, I w- at that time, I was the only one that knew I wasn't going to run again. I didn't tell anybody I wasn't going to run again because it would have affected the mission, you know. But I knew it was done. And at that moment, I said, not only does this really suck, but this is probably the last time I'm going to be president for the team. Like, this blows, you know. Like, this is not the way you want to go out. Like, that's it. And so they had us go on the field, and I had to give the boys a pep talk. Like, the lead, the the couples and leaders went out on the grass. And at that whole time, I have to give them this speech and hold it together. And knowing in the back of my head it was it was over, right, like for me, even though I ended up getting more games later. Um, for me, I thought that was it. And so, See, I was fortunate. See, I was wearing the mask, but uh, there was yeah, no hiding for me. Like the tears were real. No, I was pissed. Over tears. And I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily cry, but I was pissed. Like I couldn't talk to anyone. My wife was like, yeah. "Are you okay?" I was like, "No, <laughs> I'm not okay right now." No, I was. I was. I was 100 crying. Uh, and Tyler Miller actually came over, and gave me a hug. And yeah, he, he noticed. That. He noticed guys, that yeah. I was. And then I took the mask off for a second, and I looked over, and, and the only the only three people who saw so uh, you know Mauricio. Uh, Julio and Ray were all kind of talking to my left and they all looked over and they saw me and I just kind of wiped my face and I put the mask back on and I'm pretty sure I wore that mask like all the way until I got to my car Um, because I just I mean it had been such an emotional season such a long season for me I mean certainly wasn't my first tears at at the (laughs) bank you know but it was my first tears over soccer you know right and uh, you know I mean it was uh it was just one of those moments, you know. I mean, it just—I didn't see it coming. I wasn't planning on it coming. I mean, if if you'd have told me at the beginning of the day, hey, we might lose, I would have been like, you know, cool, whatever, it'll happen. Um, you know, I mean, ups and downs. You know, I mean, I'd I'd been through, you know, some some Dodgers World Series yeah. losses. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I'd been through losses before. It's for I, sure a different feeling. It was a different feeling, honestly, because I I never felt this into a team. Like I'm a fan of you know, other teams, sure, but not where I've been going all year. You know, it was a journey. Yeah. And I sat in my seat. I live, I sit in the South end, the South end corner, like under the press box. So I stayed in my seat for like, I want to say like 30 minutes later. And I watched all you guys on the field. I'm like, dang, I couldn't move. Like I was, I was like beside myself. They had to kick me out of the stadium. Security literally had to ask me. Same here. Yeah. We were, we weren't even cleaning up our stuff. It was just, didn't know what to do. Yeah. 
Oof, well, we fit a dark moment. Uh, so let's, uh, let's bring this back a little bit. So um, you've transitioned from the role of president um, to a media personality. That is who you are now, right? <laughs> what is that like going from being the face of the 3252 as its president to being, you know, one of the major voices of the 3252 in the community from a media standpoint? How has that transition played out in your life? For me, supporter will always be number one. Um, and Jerry knows that, you know, if I have a supporter media, I'm going to that first. I'm still involved. It's not done for me. Um, I just, the role changes. Sorry about my throat. It's I okay. Oh, it's all good. Ah, take your time. So basically the media thing always cracked me up after I started doing the podcast because I could, I have a, a very old school mindset when it comes to leadership in a supporter group. And I do like like the Barra Bravas and what you see with the ultras in Europe. You don't know the president. Like they're not out in front. Like, you don't put the king out in the front of your chessboard, right? You don't do that. So for me, it was weird that in this group, you you put him out there, you know? Yeah, nobody talks about who's a council member, what, you know, I mean, none of can that's you, can, Yeah, who's in charge of Dortmund, right? Do you know who, they're, who, they, who they've got? Who's in charge of the yellow wall? You don't know, right? So we're one of these weird groups where we put our guys out there, which, you know, is a little different. So for me, it was a little shock to my system from the first place that I'm going to get all this attention as president because I'm a working president. You know, I, I my my stuff's the background and it's supporter culture. So, yeah, that kind of freaked me out a little bit, but I had to adjust to it right away. We had a logo drop, right, and all this stuff. So for me, that was, it was weird. Um, but I had to do it. Now, the media side of it, I never, one, I never even understood that people were listening to this show. I was doing it for fun with Jerry. And it was an outlet for me, an outlet for him. We didn't understand what we were building a fan base the whole time we were doing it. And I don't even think he processed it either, but we wanted to make the best show possible, even though no, none of us were looking at it ever as a business. We're not in this for a business. We're not going to be celebrating business licenses. We're not going to be doing anything like that. It's going to be football. And that's all we're going to talk about is football. Right. Because that's our mindset. Um, so for for me, when I was walking around the stadium... When I walk in the north end, it's not about the podcast. It's about being president for those who do know me. And most people didn't know I was president until they knew I was leaving, which was funny, too, because I was very secretive about it. Those that needed to know knew, you know. Right. If they put me on media, they put me on blast on media, cool. So, like, the one time I did step out was, was when the chant came up, the terrible chant. And I wanted to stand up for our brothers and sisters. And, and, and so I did I did the event with Ollie. Um, with the rainbow scarf and that was I did I got to be the honorary falconer that day and also spoke on the field and I think that was the first address I ever did to the public because of the purpose so for me whenever I spoke it was always a purpose the other time they heard from me was when it was a logo drop because it just wasn't really big on doing that but that is your job right um so it freaked me out because when I did the podcast, now all of a sudden everybody knows me for this podcast, and a lot of people know me for the podcast. And so I walk in the north end, I'm hearing supporter stuff. The minute I leave the north end, any other part of the stadium, I got people stopping me. I can't get more than five feet. And if someone wants to talk football, hey, man, I'm going to call in, but I just I haven't had it, and I haven't been strong enough to do it. Like A lot of people get a little stage fright because you know they're going to air their voices. What do you suggest? And I said, well, write an email. And we'll just read it for you. Or, But at the end of the day, it's everyone's podcast. That was the mindset from the beginning. 
And so for me, it was weird transitioning, knowing that I went from getting all these hard questions about supporter culture stuff and issues, heavy stuff, and split second, I have to turn that off and now talk about media and fun things on the same day. So like I'll have this massive situation where someone's been arrested or there's been a fight and I turn my head and the minute I walk out of the North End, it's it's happy, fun time and let's talk football. And it's this really weird duality that I was dealing with for this first year of the podcast because I have these two worlds I have to live in. Right. But to, to your point, I, I think it was a good outlet. It's right? fun. Yeah. Right. It's been fun. It is fun. And now that now that it's become a major part, I'm still vice president of the Black Army. That's still a very critical role, right? Vice president on top of raising two children and teaching full time. You know, it, it's 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 a juggle. Um, president was the first to go because it turned out um, everything else I'm going to hang on to and, and help wherever I can. And it's always been my mindset is even if I'm not an officer in any of the organizations, I'm going to help wherever I can. Well, I would have to say, I mean, you've certainly cemented yourself within the fabric of the LAFC community. Um, so where do you see this community going? Where would you like it to progress? Obviously, we know what we want from the on-the-field product. Everybody knows we want cups, we want mm-hmm. championships, we want that. But if you could see the brand within the community progressing and developing, would you like to see it change? Would you like to see it progress towards something? What would you like to see happen in the community? I think it's an issue of growth and organizing community better. So... In terms of growth, being able to impact more people more often. So charity work. I want to see more. Um, in terms of, of identifying community needs, finding it and creating a larger network for that. Having a bigger budget to do so. So that would organize ourselves better. Of course, merchandise is the one thing that drives us both for TIFOs and for, for uh, community. And ultimately to me, because of seeing how quickly we've grown in a very short amount of time, I expect us to be the biggest and best supporter group in North America over time um, because we get it right. We're not, we're not ultra-violent. We're not looking for some cr- crazy political leaning. We're not a bunch of communists or fascists, right, playing the commie fascist game, right, fighting each other for that stuff. It's not happening. Um, so we're keeping that out. What we're caring about is equality. What we're caring about is that everyone is welcome in the North End, that everyone is welcome throughout the stadium, and that the message of the club is the message of what's coming from the North End first, and that our influence is pushing what the club drives in terms of what is good about football and supporter culture. So speaking of messages, I think that brings us to our final question for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a question that is very near and dear to us. Uh, What does shoulder-to-shoulder mean to you, sir? community ultimately we are los angeles los angeles is us um we stand with the city and the city stands with us it's gotta be and when i say the city i'm not talking about brick and mortar i'm talking about people whether you're in koreatown whether you're in east la whether you're up here in reseda you see the la logo you know you're a part of something special you see it within you and if a neighbor's walking down the street, you give them the nod because you know you're part of the same family. That's shoulder to shoulder. That, that's it. That's key to me. That's a, that's a beautiful answer. Um, we would like to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Um, from uh, some pod to pod love, we have a little gift um, for you and, and one for Jerry as well, too. Hey. So, 
So this is um, from my trip um, to Europe. So when I was in Salzburg, uh, for many of you who don't know, um, in German, um, the name Joseph Zacher, as we would say in German, uh, is actually pronounced soccer. Um, yeah, uh, it's, if y'all want to freak me out, just car- start calling me Joseph every day. And then when I see my first name, and actually pronounced because they go backwards there. So if you walked out to me, I'd be Soccer Yosef, his family first, then your name. Um, thank God we don't do that here, right? Yeah. That's so, 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 so Soccer yeah. Joe. Is, soccer is, Joe would be my technical is, name. It's literally your name. Yeah. Um, so yeah. in, uh, in the town of Salzburg uh, gets its name from Salz. Uh, Salz in German means salt. salt. The mm-hmm. salt mines of, of Berchtesgaden, um, which is right outside of Salzburg, is uh, where the logo of the crossed hammers comes from. The crossed hammers is the logo of the miners, of the workers, of yep. the, you know, the, the, the townsfolk, the simple people who worked in, and lived in these mines. Um, and so these are two gold crossed hammer pins um, from the Brechtesgaten mines where the crossed hammers Salt originate from. Yeah. How fitting. So, uh, crossed hammers. Course, yeah. Going through the city of Salzburg is a Salsak River, which is the Salt River. Why? Because they shipped salt over that river for market. People also don't understand that salt was the oil of its day. It right. was the most valuable thing. Um, and so that city was never truly invaded. Had a had a bishop king, of all things. Um, yeah, the church and all that. The fortress that stood atop the hill is one of the only castles in all of Europe to never be conquered. Yes. And the most fancy elaborate hotel that looks right across the Voltara mm-hmm. River at the fortress is the Hotel Soccer. Yes, with the famous soccer torte. Uh, <laughs> right? So it's funny how things always go back to Salzburg, but they do. Because I did mention the Ultras Union. I did mention some other things. But it's funny how it keeps coming back to it. And my background, I'll be honest, is is Bavarian, but very much we were subjects of the Austro-Hungarian Empire at one point. My family and a farm that was done so for yeah it comes back to Salzburg which is really weird but it's one of those funny things so seeing the pins and seeing the hammers come out of there is just it's a good crack up and awesome and if you ever want to drink great beer from Salzburg Stiegel rocks there is some Stiegel in my fridge right now I'm about to crush one of those in about 10 minutes when we get home Uh, we ran a little long uh, on part two here guys Um, thank you for letting us split this into two parts for all of you today Um, and thank you so much, Joseph, yeah. uh, for, for coming out uh, wow. and sharing your story yeah. with us, sharing the LAFC story nice. with us. Yeah, yeah. Thank you to, for coming all the way to Shoulder to Shoulder Studios in Reseda. Dude, yeah, I mean, today was a wild day. This week is a wild week. Um, you know, I was in meetings till midnight last night at our stadium, training this morning for us, training for Bayern this afternoon in Carson of all places. So I was actually spying out where we're going to be standing and finding out where the sun was at at certain hours. We have to be there today. Yeah, you and I will be uh, at Indignant Stadium tomorrow. Um, yeah. Yes, the terrible the pyramid scheme stadium. Yes, doing what we got to do tomorrow for for Bayern. Of course, you're more of an Arsenal fan. Um, <sighs> it's true, both, it's, it's true. It's okay, we both love Ozil. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, it's 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 hard for me tomorrow because um, you know Arsenal is one of the teams that uh, I followed mostly because 
we weren't able to watch Bundesliga games right. here in the United States. Right. And so I followed the German national team players and Arsenal had the German national team players. Uh, I loved the fact that they always went after youth. They always went after the international market. They always gave people a chance. And uh, so I haven't decided what I'm wearing tomorrow, whether it's my Ozil jersey, whether it's my Carlos Vela Arsenal jersey, yeah. just to stick it to him a little cool, bit. By the way. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but it, it is hard because it seems like no matter what happens, Arsenal and Bayern always get paired up against each other. Um, and they're two teams that, you know, obviously Bayern um, dominate the Bundesliga, but they do so with... You know, so many of the best Demontroff players there. Um, and so it's 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 hard to not root for players like Thomas Muller, who's one of my absolute favorite oh my players gosh, of all yes. time. I mean, so many of the Bayern greats are the German greats. Oh, um, money. Uh, you know, I mean, so. Dude, I lost my mind because Lothar was there today. Lothar Mantais. And that's just, yeah. yeah. I had his poster on my wall as a kid. That's just weird. Yeah, I mean, I had a rubber duck as a kid that was Franz Beckenbeek. So, you know, I See, mean. you know. Well, that's like, crazy. It's, um, you know, that's. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> as I'm sitting here in this interview, I'm wearing a, an opal fire music. I, I, jersey, when, I, when I saw you walk here, then. probably everybody but me and Mr. Reimer right now. Reimer. Reimer. Let's get it right. Reimer. Soccer to Reimer. Um, but, um, yes, thank you so yeah, much for Yeah, thank you for coming. Um, Appreciate it. We'll have fun tomorrow. Uh, for the first time, you and I will be, um, you know, potentially rooting for opposite yeah. teams. We'll see. I, it's it's going to be hard tomorrow. I don't, I don't really know. I might uh, just end up bringing both kits, and then I'll see who's sitting around me, and that might determine who I wear. Because honestly, I just I just want to see a good game tomorrow. Um, I expect it's a friendly. It. Yeah, it's gonna um, be fun. It's yeah. it's you know I wish it was in a different stadium. That's all. That that's the sad part is it's at that dump. Um, and it is a dump. I was there. It's Speaking of that like dump, um, to all of our fans out there, to all of our listeners out there, this week we have a very big game in Carson. Uh, on behalf of everyone in this pod and, and on behalf of everyone in the 3252 leadership, um, we just would like to please ask everyone to represent yourselves and this club, your mm -hmm. supporters group, you know, this community well when you go into their mm -hmm. stadium. Um, they have not always been gracious hosts. They have not always been kind or accommodating or decent um please 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 we we ask everybody to turn the other cheek this week to realize that they are trying to antagonize us to realize that they are going to ridicule and belittle and, and provoke insult and provoke um be smart realize that they're doing this with a purpose they're doing this with a reason they know that if we lose our head there and we do something foolish that they could use that against us uh, don't be the person whose actions cause the rest of the 3252 and the rest of the LAFC community to have to deal with those repercussions. Please sing your hearts out. Love this team, but do it respectfully. Uh, do it and, smart. And do it smartly. One incident can take away all the things that we've built. One. Absolutely. And I will tell you this right now. Be safe. Move in numbers. Keep your head on a swivel. Don't react. Just support. You have to be smart. You have to keep your heads and realize that every time you wear these colors, you represent who we are and what we are. Like I said, when you look in the mirror, you are LAFC. So guess what? Look in the mirror. If you're representing LAFC, what actions do you take? Make the right choice. Guard your actions. Guard your gear. Mm -hmm. Watch your hats. Watch your scarves. Not them up. Um, don't don't put yourself in a situation where you're vulnerable, and if you are unfortunate enough to be in a situation 
just get out of the situation. Go That's the best thing to do. Opt can. for safety. Yep. In the most public areas possible. Be smart. Have fun. And it's ultimately have fun. Yeah. Have fun. And it's going to be a good day, is what I foresee. I hope and pray, but I don't predict. I said I foresee. There you go. <laughs> Just realize the better day for us, the worse day for them. We have yet, regrettably, to see their actions in defeat. Um, let's hope <sighs> they handle that well. I don't expect it. With right. that, uplift the sticks. Take us home. Shoulder to shoulder. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.